0: Blue is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. I'm John Bucks, together with Brian Chin, recording live from the States following a wild weekend in the Premier League. How are we doing, Brian?
1: Hey, I think I left some points on the table. Can I get those back? Can I Can I get some points? Anybody? Anybody got any points for me?
0: You buy it? You don't get to refund it, and that was the case. There was a lot of mediocre performances uh, from FPL points this game week, and that's after another big game week in game week nine when we saw some triple-digit hauls, including from my co-host Brian. This was a FPL week that brought us all back to earth, and uh, yeah, wasn't as thrilling for either of our teams, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of uh, mystery players across the Premier League that put in double-digit performances and were pretty – Um, had low ownership. So I did not have many of those uh, double digit scores and and unfortunately had a red arrow, which
0: I think you were also on Bucks. Yeah, I ended up with 42 points all in a healthy 30,000 spot red arrow down to 78,000 in the world. And uh, long story short for this game week is that I overmanaged. I did too much late night tinkering and I panicked seeing that I didn't have Antonio or Foden in my side and they've been really they looked great last game week in game week nine and I thought I was going to be punished by not having both of them so I panic moved Rafinha before he plays Norwich out brought in Phil Foden and that was my free transfer and it totally backfired it cost me seven points ruined my chance at two free transfers going into this game week which I could have really used so that's super frustrating but uh does it again he gets another return, ends up with 10 points, and then my Chelsea trio uh, really round out the scoring for my side. So, Brian, I know you did a little bit better, but not too much better. How'd you fare in game week 10?
1: I mean, before we jump on to my team, Bucks, you're, you were praising Rafinha the whole kind of month leading up to this and this run of good fixtures. Obviously, he's been yep. in and out of the lineup. He's been in Brazil. He's been in the air flying back over he's missed some games and i could definitely understand why the leash was pretty short on him but
0: what is our mantra on this podcast bucks what do we always say i know a patience should be king but uh honestly i just i let fear fear rule the day and that's not a way to play fpl and that's not a way to live so uh i agree with you i i Given Rafinha so much opportunity to stay in my squad, I had benched him a couple times through injury. And what do I do, Boneheadedly. And then, Bucks, yeah, and I then out. and
1: then you take him,
0: you take him out before Norwich. It was uh, Norwich is the get right match. Yeah, it, it didn't make sense. Uh, I didn't keep him in for the Sisters of the Poor. So. Uh, Bad on me. Don't don't be bucks. Is the uh, theme of this match, <laughs> and uh, make sure that you keep any players that are going to be matching up against Norwich in your lineup and starting for the foreseeable future uh, for the Premier League and for FPL points going forward. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, Bucks, I can't um, I can't hammer you too hard because I made some very uncanny and questionable transfers myself heading into game week ten. I end up on 50, 50 points with a hit. So 46 points all up, small red arrow of 21K to 152K overall. And I'm actually pretty happy with that. Like I'm in pretty good spirits because I also have a whopping 5.8 million in the bank this game week, making Uh-oh. a big move, uh, some big upgrades across my team. But I, I was really had my eyes focused on three players and with price rises last week, I had to make an early transfer and then I made a late transfer for a hit, and uh, it all worked out. So I ended up moving Diaz and Vardy, who both got one point, to Chilwell and Tony, who got a, com- a combined 10 points. So nice. overall, this net, this net hit was plus four points, which is great in a low scoring game week. And moving forward, now I have enough in the bank to go Brownhill all the way up to Sun. In this game week, which I think is going to be a differential. And with the news of Nuno out, uh, no scoring Nuno out of the side Uh of Tottenham, we're hoping for a, we're hoping for a uh, really a bounce for both Kane and Son. And I'm going to be in on that early and hopefully he hauls versus an Everton defense that looks very, uh, very sad at this point. So, you know, preview of my, uh, my transfer thoughts, but I was really I had to make, you know, transfer on Tuesday, a transfer on Thursday and something I hate to do. um, But I wanted to make sure that I got that trio of players exactly. And I will have a very deep squad. So other than those moves working out, the rest of my team was pretty poor. Uh, The man of the game week for me was Ramsdale. First match of the game week comes in with a huge 10 pointer, a world-class save, um, which kind of led to one of his seven saves ends on two bonus and a clean sheet for 10 points, which is amazing. And uh, other than that, Rafinha came in with the goal. I was true to him. I was a little bit more optimistic on the likes of Huang and also Antonio, who were playing on the late fixture on Sunday and then on the Monday fixture, and they both blanked. Uh, Huang goal got chalked off. Unfortunate, but um, overall, I'm happy with a small red arrow, and I'm really set up for the next couple of game weeks here, so...
0: That's me all up, and onwards we go. Yeah, nice. And, uh, you know, Brian and I both tied and then beat the average. The average was 42 points this game week. I had 42 true, and Brian had 46 all in. So we'll take it, but, uh, you know, it's not where we want to be. We want to be, you know, really crushing it, getting green arrows, and we hope a lot of our listeners did. And that brings us nicely to the manager of the game week, Jack Sudar and his squad, the Pensioners, they topped the FPL Blues podcast mini league. They scored 66 points, which is incredible. And he had points from a lot of different players. He had the Salah captain for 10 points, which is nice. Ramsdale for 10, Rafinha and Jimenez each had nine points. Chilwell had eight, Rudiger and Livermento each had six. So that's pretty amazing to have... Uh, You know, over half your team scoring and getting returns in a single game week, especially when a lot of managers across the game, like myself, like Brian, we're really only getting managers from uh, two to three, even four players. So to have, uh, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven players contribute. That's uh, that's uh, what you dream about. So congrats to Jack and his squad. And then uh, bonus points go to Corey Cummings, his team name, Pepe Pig. That's hilarious. And uh, he scored 64 (laughs) points. He leapfrogs me in the standings up to second place. But uh, we're still all chasing Amar Solonky and his ever-consistent squad of Turkish Kabak, who remains in first place at the top of the table. So that's really it we're going to do something a little bit different this episode we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive into some big picture fpl takeaways from game week 10 and the start of the season and also just address we got a ton of listener questions so we really thank the listeners for being engaged and involved and that's going to really be the meat and potatoes of this week's episode love it we'll be right back Welcome back
1: to the FPL Blues podcast. We're now going to break down the news as Tottenham has sacked Nuno and brings in none other than Antonio Conte. Bye-bye. He signs a contract through 2023. And Bucks, this is a big time manager who has won, you know, UCL titles before. He's, you know, obviously been a primetime manager at Chelsea, and he takes the reins on a very diminished squad at Tottenham both kind of from a talent perspective and mentally but they're coming up with a huge run of fixtures and I think this is a time that it makes sense for them to make this move and hopefully get some matches where they pull out three points time and time again so Bucks you have a little bit more familiarity with Conte uh give us your take on how this is going to affect the likes of Sun Kane and then maybe somebody like Reguon
0: yeah so it's a great point. It's a great hire for Spurs. If you're a Spurs fan, you're definitely overjoyed by this move. I think Spurs really fumbled the bag, so to speak, with the hiring of a new coach. Nuno very publicly was not their first choice. He's probably not even their fourth or fifth choice. He was more like seven or eight. So he didn't really resonate with the club. He didn't have <laughs> the belief of management. And you could see that with plays with the way that significant and important players like Harry Kane he just wasn't playing at 100% so i think bringing in a proven trophy winning coach like Conte is going to ha- make the entire locker room really have a boost and we expect that he's going to be a very strong system manager he employs a strict 352 with wing backs and we're seeing a lot of success using that style of play from the likes of Chelsea with Tuchel, that's the same system he likes to play, and some other squads. So I think this is a great move. And as Brian mentioned, I think that we're going to see an immediate boost, not just because there are more favorable fixtures coming up, but because the locker room is really going to be energized. So I think players like Reguion, like Sun, like Kane, even like Adele Ali are going to have uh, added interest from the FPL manager community. So This is just unfortunate for Spurs because it is their fourth manager in under two seasons. So, you know, hopefully Conte is part of the larger plan where they start to really bring in players and have a transfer strategy that matches his system.
1: Yeah. It's a great hire from the Tottenham perspective. You know, we're going to see if Kane can get his mojo back. And if that combination, that dynamic duo with son finds some life and is revitalized and again, Their fixtures coming up are great. So this is the right time to make the move. They play Everton in game week 11, and then they have Leeds, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich. These are some great fixtures. So I think they're going to be back to their goal scoring ways. And hopefully, um, you know, we have some more FPL options in those premium price brackets, because lately, you know, it's been rather disappointing across the board for some of the premiums in the FPL community. I would say that Ole is going to stay for the rest of the year. I don't see them making a change mid-season when there are less options to replace him with. So it might have been one of those uh, those checkmate moments for Ole. There's tons of memes going around how he's, you know, changed to play uh, Conte's style in the last game versus Spurs and then gets Nuno ousted, and then, then Conte comes in for Nuno, and yeah, he keeps and he, his job. Ole keeps his job. It's such a funny kind of situation uh, there, but it's going to be tough for Man U fans. Uh, might be a long season.
0: Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that Ole has $7.5 guaranteed if he leaves Ooh. earlier than the end of the season. So I think there's, there's that piece on the table that, you know, Man United ownership doesn't want to just be paying coaches left and right to not be actually at the helm of the club. So Conte was rumored initially to be the lead favored choice for United. He's now at Spurs and Ole stays on and I think there's a lot there's a collective exhale from other top clubs in the Premier League that you know United are stuck with the same old ole. Um and with that, you know I think we jump from United we start talking about some of the actual top clubs in the premier league. And that was a real shocking result from both man city and Liverpool in game week 10, because they both, oh, really, they took their eyes off the ball. I think Brian and I were among many premier league fans and FPL faithful that targeted these two teams for some easy point totals and, you know, shocking results, Liverpool, they get a draw at home against Brighton. Uh, you know, Anfield has been a fortress, for Liverpool. They score a lot. They normally don't concede and they normally leave there happy and the fans leave happy with the full three points. So this was a shocking performance from them, really strong showing from Brighton and a gutsy showing from Brighton.
1: Echo about Brighton, like when you look at them getting their socks kicked off in the last game at the Amex versus City, giving up four goals and then they go down two goals early on in the first half Versus Liverpool and honestly like Firmino is a bit of a scapegoat in this one Because he he missed two big chances That could have put this game away at 3-0 And unfortunately Brighton found their mojo and were able to Battle back and get the draw so this was a Very impressive um, you know Comeback from Brighton and just kind of Showcases that they're going to be Potentially in the run for a top eight side And finish this season And uh, I, was, I was just very impressed With them in the second half of that match And putting on all the pressure um, we they did have some moments in that match. The Bucks obviously we captained Salah. He's a, like a foot off sides, um, yeah. a couple of inches maybe off sides in a ball that Mane actually set him up beautifully on and made a great pass. And that was a moment where oh wow, we're gonna get another goal and an assist from this this Egyptian um, pharaoh of a god. And unfortunately, they end that match two two,
0: and we both get one point from
1: TAA. Ugh.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit disappointing from the FPL perspective, but I think if you're if you're a Brighton fan, this is the kind of match that makes you think that your plan is working because Graham Potter, whatever he said to that team mm-hmm. in the halftime locker room, holy cow, they came out a completely transformed side in the second half and they actually took it to Liverpool at Anfield. So that's pretty impressive. I think we both rate Liverpool as one of you know, by far and away the best sides in the premier league. So to get this result, that's a huge one point for Brighton. And I think if you're a Liverpool fan and a Liverpool player uh, disappointing to not leave with all three and the other one we want to talk about is city just, you know, they're home, they're at the empty HOD, and uh, yeah, they, they, leave, <laughs> they leave begging because palace came in there and they kicked their behinds up and down the pitch. So that was uh, really impressive from Patrick Vieira's side. And yeah, Palace are not a team to sneeze at in the Premier League this season. That's for sure.
1: As a new Foden owner, Bucks, I think we were a bit shocked at this result. I think we were expecting a potential clean sheet from likes of Diaz and Cancelo and also some Foden points. So I'll be honest, going into this game week, I was watching a lot of highlights of Palace and I was expecting them to score in in this game. So that's why I ended up taking out and taking a hit to move Diaz to Chilwell, who I thought had a higher chance of a clean sheet, that proved to be right. So, big pat on the back for me. Some extra points. But off clap, off clap. The the red card, the red card that was given to Laporte for denying a goal scoring opportunity was very harsh, in my opinion. Um, earlier in the day, when I was watching Leicester versus um, versus Arsenal, Johnny Evans did the same thing and kind of pulled down a player who was maybe thirty five yards yeah. outside of the goal. Yeah, pulled down um, OBS, and I-, I was just very perplexed that he got a straight red card for that. He'll miss a few matches, and City, you know, they did what they could to fight back in this one. There was a great opportunity where Foden crossed the ball maybe from 30 yards on the left wing all the way to the right, and Jesus had a great finish, and we thought that was going to be our Foden points. And he was just, uh, again, a hair offside. So we had a number of calls this game week for players um, that we owned that went the wrong direction in, in a different
0: game week. Maybe we'd have a lot more points in this uh, this week. Yeah, and worth mentioning, Laporte's red car was downgraded to only one match that he's going to miss. So uh, the refs really screwed the pooch oh, okay. on this one. But uh, Good call. yeah, I, I just think that, you know, even with 11 v11, 11 11, Palace were just the better side. So that that's a frustrating one to lose for Pep. And I think this game week, he's going to come in guns blazing. Obviously, this is the match to do it. They have the Manchester Derby away at Old Trafford. So uh that's definitely one that we're going to touch on a little bit later. Next up.
1: Next up, let's just talk about Chelsea, who remain at the top of the table. You know, we had some bad FPL points totals, Bucks, but our team did the business. They took care of Newcastle. And this was a match where Man, all of these defenders for Chelsea are just getting the points. Reese James comes in with a brace and a much needed one, to be honest, because Chelsea had no goals through about 65, 70 minutes in this one, even though they were controlling everything. And it was uh, just fantastic uh, work and technique from Reese. And it'll be really interesting to see at his price tag. He's 5.7 million. He's now got four goals and three assists and seven matches uh, you know, before the last two weeks, it was a bunch of zeros, ones, and an 18, and then one, zero, zero. And now he's got back-to-back, huge double-digit hauls. So his ownership is going to be up. And between him and, him and uh, Chilwell, we're relying on those guys to be attacking and take some shots on goal from outside the box, given the way that we're set up. So huge, huge um, point totals. And I would say if you owned Reese James and started him this game week, who you must've been flying compared to the rest of your uh, counterparts.
0: Yeah. I just, Brian mentioned Ben Chilwell and Reese James. These are two players that are absolutely one of them has to be essential in FPL manager side. I mean, just the structure of Tuchel system, the wingbacks are bombing forward. They're very attacking. They're probably lead in the clubhouse to be getting goals more so even than the strikers for Chelsea and just since Tuchel came in, Chelsea just are a clean sheet machine. So I think their, their ceiling is much higher than a lot of these other players. And I expect that when Mosul is away at the African Nations Cup, that Chelsea defenders might be the best captaincy option, irregardless of who they're playing. So, you know, let's keep those points going all the way to the moon. I'm a benchilla owner, very happy about that. And, uh, you know, with that, we can talk about the opposite side of the spectrum, Chelsea, obviously top of the table Norwich are definitely not, and they're probably not even a truly deserving premier league side. And uh, yeah, Brian, you want to take over and bash the, bash the Norwich, Norwich fans a little bit.
1: I mean, I feel like they have a tough enough existence as it is bucks, but you know, that this is a get right match for any team. And I think there's a lot of players in FPL that are targeting any um, any matchup with Norwich. Obviously, Rafinha, honestly, for the first 30 minutes or so, he, he looked pretty poor, in my opinion. He had a bunch of passes that he was missing. He was kind of not linking up with his teammates who are, you know, honestly, below average players um, yeah. since they have a lot of injuries. But um, ultimately, you know, he comes good, comes in with a goal. And I think moving forward this week, we have Brentford, who just took a slacking from Burnley, you know, one to three. Now they're gonna have the opportunity to score some goals against Norwich. So as both of us actually own Tony and Mbumo, we're really gonna hope for those two players to come good. Come and, on, uh, points. I know, right? We've 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 put some faith in some low kind of priced assets, and we're really targeting this match specifically. So I have a benching headache later that we'll talk about, but I I definitely want to start both of those guys. And I think um, Mbumo, this game week, I started him, he didn't play at all. So I had Brownhill come off my bench for a two-pointer. And uh, I'm really kind of chasing some of his potential attacking returns. And uh, yeah, we'll see what they do versus Norwich this game week.
0: Yeah. Worth mentioning for Norwich. It's just interesting. They're not playing kind of their highest upside players, Todd Cantwell and Billy Gilmore. Um, I think those guys should be locks in the starting 11 and, you know, they need to be going for it. I mean, if they're going to lose every match, they should at least be, you know, pushing six, seven guys forward to make life difficult for the opposition. And, you know, I think likewise, Brian and I have been on and off and off. And now we're off again. Everton are just not, They're not a team that should be feared uh, as an FPL defense or as a Premier League defense right now. Currently, they're a four, which means they're a relatively difficult fixture um, on the official FPL ratings. (laughs) And they're absolutely just an out and out mid table team. And I would not be benching any player that I had, especially an attacking player against either Norwich or against Everton. Don't be me. Do not take out Rafinha before a matchup with Norwich. And dum dum-dum. Just just don't be me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that the official fantasy Premier League app is not great at updating their FDR um rankings. So make sure to check out a site like um, Fantasy Football Hub or Fantasy Football Scout to check out like updated. Uh, week over week kind of fixture difficulty ratings, and that'll help you kind of determine who to start and who to sit. Uh, I, I expect Tottenham to get a really galvanized performance versus Everton this game weekend, uh, probably a game that's we'll see some goals. So we're going to take a quick break now and then come back with, with our listener questions, which we got a, uh, a, a bushel, full of, um, bushel full of questions this fall here, Bucks. Let's uh, take a break and we'll be right back.
0: And we're back. We had some outstanding listener questions. I guess the Halloween candy sugar high uh, rubbed off on the amount of listener (laughs) questions that were submitted going into game week 11. So let's just dive in. First one is from, it's a combo question. We had a couple of similar vein questions from PV, from Alec and from Corey who asked about the premium forward position. Specifically, who is the best option between Ronaldo, Kane and Vardy? What should FPL managers do with Jamie Vardy if you own him in your side? And is the premium forward spot even necessary at this moment?
1: Look, we've definitely been underwhelmed with the performance of the strikers uh, priced above $10 million. as of late. Obviously, a lot of us who went for Lukaku have been burned and then went Lukaku to Vardy. Vardy has had back-to-back yeah. one-pointers and uh, he's firmly out of my side. They do play leads this game week, so there could definitely be some goals in his locker to be had. But ultimately, I think it's it's important to have one of these premium guys so you have that slot in your team dedicated to the guy that gets hot. And one of those players could be Kane. Obviously, he's not informed now. But when you look at kind of that price tag, anywhere from $10.5 million to $12.5 million some of these guys could come good. And Ronaldo, you know, 12.4 million. He did really well, had a goal and an assist and had max bonus. So he had 12 points this game week versus Tottenham. And then today in champions league, he comes up with a brace and saves United once again. So he's a player that obviously he takes a ton of shots. He's the focal point of that offense. And, you know, Things can go up and down with the rest of the team, but he's still getting all of his stats inside and around the box, which is important for FPL.
0: Yeah, I'm a Vardy owner, and he plays leads, as Brian mentioned, this game week. So I'm going to hold him at least for this game, and he's going to be starting yep, agree there. And then I think there's a move where you either downgrade and you spread the funds elsewhere throughout your team after the international break, or alternatively, you target all three of these guys when the fixtures really dictate. So Kane has Leeds, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich in game weeks 12 to 15. And then it's a perfect jump off point to then go to Ronaldo who has Norwich in game week 16 and then doesn't play really another top half defense until March of 2022, which is all the way until game week 25 and in game week 26, they play man city. So there's definitely a way to follow the matchups and to track a little bit of form, but also really target fixture and cycle through this forward, this premium forward spot. And so as Brian mentioned, I think it's worth keeping that spot in your team on hold Right now, Brian has all this cash in his bank burning a hole in his pocket. And I know he's going to be tinkering like a wild man to get it. Oh, I'm his on fire. Yeah, so
1: My uh, pockets are on fire, Bucks. My I, hands are on fire. I, I got one of those old Samsung notes that thing's blowing up. That's on fire too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you because you just have to have that second premium price bracket in your team. So right now I'm going to likely move that money into Sun. Um, for a couple of game weeks, but in general, if you spread your money too thin and avoid that kind of ten to twelve million pound player, and go with like a three three different eight million players, it's going to require you to get three moves later on to bring in a Kane, to bring in Lukaku, to bring in um, you know Ronaldo. So I would I would definitely try and have two premium slots. And when we say premium, I think we're probably about ten million and above in your team, so that you can have the flexibility to make, make those moves and kind of make those changes later down the line when the fixture change in two moves
0: yeah agreed and and just worth mentioning if you are going to go without the premium forward option i would i would keep the flexibility to be able to get there relatively easily as brian mentioned at least within two moves so you're not taking you know multiple hits to kind of reorg your team around getting in that premium option
1: all right, moving on to the next question, which is kind of related to the first question are, you know, who are the best mid and budget price forwards? Um, Ivan Tony is getting a lot of love across FPL, but he hasn't actually delivered any points recently, Bucks. I know you've owned him since game week one and uh, have enjoyed his 0.1 price rise in that time. But are we a little bit worried about this Brentford team? They seem to be doing better in the stat category that doesn't involve goals. What are our thoughts here?
0: Yeah. And uh, we should shout out our listener, LZ uh, Lucas, who had this question. He used some more colorful language to describe the performance of (laughs) Ivan Tony, uh, but we're going to keep this PG 13 on the pod. I definitely think Tony is one to monitor. He's better in real life at this point than he is for FPL. He's doing a lot of things that are core to Brentford controlling the ball going forward. But at the end of the day, you want your strikers and that forward spot in your FPL team to be scoring goals, not setting up the goals, not setting up the pass before the goal. And Tony is just playing a little too deep for him to be in those kind of crucial positions. And also this season, we're not seeing as many penalties given. So he's on penalty kicks and he's not getting them in numbers that we would have expected.
1: With that being said, they do have Norwich and Newcastle in their next two fixtures. So you have to hold him if you own him. You might even bring him in for these next two because these are potential double digit performing uh, games that he could have. And it is important to also note, you know, Fantasy Football Hub has Brentford as the uh, easiest fixtures over the next six game weeks in total. So if they start to go on a little bit of run and find some form, then this is, these are players that are cheap and could deliver you FPL points. But um, I think another player, Bucks, that we want to talk about is Raul Jimenez, who scores nine points this game week. He's 7.6 million, and I think he's definitely a player to uh, bring into your team and somebody that you hold for a long period of time. He's a tick monster. He's going to get you you know, a bunch of five to nine-pointers as part of that Wolf side and he's beginning to show his form and get his confidence back. Uh, he almost had an assist to Huang earlier in the game, and then he pounces on a bad pass and scores a, a cheeky chip over Pickford in that Everton game. So he's a player that you would really want to bring into your side and hold on for at least you know five-plus game weeks because he does tick over, and that's historically what he's done in past seasons as
0: well. Yeah, you're just twisting the knife there, at. Jimenez at 7.6 million. He looks like the best budget option in the kind of sub 8 million price bracket. Other names that are worth mentioning. I mean, Antonio, he's still only 8.2 million. So he might be a little out of budget for straight swaps with a player like Tony, but he's not only highly owned, he's owned by 48% of the FPL community, but also he's involved in almost 60% of all of West Ham's goals and West Ham are a real deal offensive team and they look the part as being a true contender for European football. So he's one. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, they're,
1: they're, they're tied with city for points right now through the first 10 game weeks, a very impressive you know, run team. I felt a little bit shafted to not get any points in a four, one victory uh, this past weekend. And he was definitely involved in the buildup took less shots than he normally does, but he had the hockey assist on two plays. He easily could have had an assist where Lanzini laid off the ball uh, towards the end of the game there. So I think if you have Antonio, you definitely hold him, but his fixtures do get tougher. So um, they have the second worst fixtures over the next six game weeks. So he's a player that you have to kind of decide if you're going to potentially bench him versus the likes of Liverpool and Manchester city, but, you know, play him against wolves, Brighton. Um, Then they also play Chelsea in the next six. So it, It's a player that I would not bring in, but if you have him and you have value built in him, then it's a tougher decision. And if you have somebody like Livermento, maybe you start Livermento over him in some of these tough fixtures, which would not be that outlandish given uh, Livermento's form. So I think it's a player that, especially since he hasn't had his hamstring injuries yet, which we know are coming at some point this season. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. You should just hold him. I know I'm jinxing him, but. It's, uh, it's an experience that we've had time and time again with him.
0: Yeah, two more players I just want to quickly shout out is Josh King for Watford. He's 5.6 million. He looks great. He had a hat trick last game week. He missed a pretty good big chance this previous game week. So he looks like he's locked up that spot and is super budget friendly. And also, you know, we mentioned him before, it's Raul as his linesmate, He Ching Wong, the Korean Bull. He's 5.8 million. He looks like he's going to be scoring and getting a lot of goal chances in the Wolf system with kind of Jimenez being the backboard to control the ball and play him in. So I think all of these players... Really caught my eye. Antonio is obviously one that if you've had him from the start of the season, again, don't be bucks. Don't transfer him out of your team foolishly. Just hold on to him. He's worth it. And he's a top goal scorer. And I think these other three look like they could be good transfer moves once uh, some of the uh, you know more preferred or more differential shouts uh, start having some difficult fixtures. Long story short with this answer, just don't transfer in Edward from crystal palace. Cause that's a proven, <laughs> that's a proven loser of a move. I can definitely attest to that myself. Next question comes from. Yeah. Sonia. Bucks. I think
1: you were a little <laughs> bit, uh, you know, we want to let's sleep.
0: Let's get past this. We don't want to dive in. You, you must've
1: been sleep deprived to bring in Edward, um, into your side, obviously it was definitely a punt, but when you look at some of these other options at that price bracket, uh, you missed the mark there, but, um, I know we'll talk about your transfer thoughts later. I think you're going to have to hold on to him for another few game weeks because you don't have, uh, you have other fires to put out. So, all right, let's move forward here and talk about some of the cheap midfielders. So Sonia asks, with great form and fixtures coming for the likes of Mbomo, we've seen Smith Rowe do some damage and also Townsend. Are there any other targets that you would consider or are those the main three in the price bracket? What are you thinking here, Bucks?
0: Yeah. So Sonia is really asking. She has Townsend and she wants to know if she should go form or fixture between.
1: Okay. Got gotcha, you. Smith gotcha.
0: Rowe, who's clearly in great form, and Mbomo, who has great fixtures. So for me, I'm backing Mbomo. He's in my side. I believe in this Brentford team. And bonus, he's playing out of position. He's really the second forward for this side. And, you know, with Norwich this game week, how can you go uh, against a guy who plays? this kind of cupcake fixture. And, you know, Smith Rowe looks the part, my concern with him is that he has so many challengers for that spot in the team, specifically Odegaard, but also Saka. And there's a number of other kind of young and promising Arsenal midfielders who could be stealing minutes from ESR. I do want to just highlight two other kind of budget midfield players that specifically, Maxwell Cornet, he's 6 million for Burnley. He's also playing out of position. He has three goals in the last two matches. And the only issue with Cornet is he plays Chelsea in game week 11. So that's kind of, you would bring him in to then probably bench him, which isn't a great transfer plan strategy. However, after that, he plays Palace, Spurs, Wolves, Newcastle, uh, and he plays West Ham between two Newcastle matches. So I could definitely see him scoring in a couple of those fixtures. One that also needs to be shouted out is Connor Gallagher of crystal palace. He's 5.7 million. So he's pretty much the same price bracket as Mbomo ESR and Townsend. He has been in a top, he's in top form and he's right now the number nine FPL scoring player in the game, which is, shocking to me. When I looked up those stats, I was (laughs) totally floored. I can't believe he's not in my wildcard team, but uh palace are the truth. And they, they look like they're really a solid side under this new manager. And, you know, Gallagher has been the chief beneficiary to Eze being out and he's playing super attacking. He's definitely locked up a spot in that starting 11.
1: Yeah. It's super exciting to have a number of different options kind of at that 6 million or less price tag you could also throw in Trossard for Brighton. I know our our main guy Eamon, is very excited about Trossard's potential as well in the Brighton side who look to be also very competitive. So, I think I really like these options in your team because you can play them in the good fixtures and then you bench them in tough fixtures, you know, benching a 6 million or a 5.5 million, you know, pound player is is, you know, is easy to do especially when there are better options maybe fixture Wise for your defenders and your cheap defenders. So, um, again, I think Mbumo would be our number one because of the next two matches and he's playing out of position, especially if he's going to start this next game week versus Norwich. But other than that, I think long term potential holds are the likes of Smith Rowe and Gallagher. I think those are guys that could be really tick over across the season. Maybe they deliver some points when you bench them, but maybe they come off the bench if you have risky players like Foden or Jota. Or you know Mason Mount or somebody like that in your side as well.
0: Yeah, or Chilwell or or Reece James. Reese, yeah, yeah. Yep. Next up, I actually wanted to ask you this question, Brian, and it relates to an earlier question about that premium, that second premium spot. And I just wonder if FPL managers are sleeping on Sadio Mane. He's eleven point nine million, so he's definitely premium, but he has six goals and one assist, and he's owned by less than four percent of the game. And we, we know how attacking Liverpool have been. They're by far and away the best attacking side in the Premier League, if not in the world. And uh, would you have any temptation to not go young Sung and instead go all the way up to Sadio Mane? Have you considered that at all?
1: Nope, definitely have not considered that. I think Sadio Mane is a huge talent and especially in a team that's ticking over so nicely. I think if there was a bigger price differential between Salah and Mane, then Maybe I consider him as a double up in that attack, but at their price points, you know, investing twenty five million just about between two players doesn't seem ideal, especially when you're not going to be able to captain both of them in any given game week. So if you're going to go for a double up, which um, I think is warranted in the attack, I still prefer Jota at seven point five million and Salah. Um, the other thing with Mane, I want to point out, he has no double digit hauls this season, so he's scoring and delivering pretty consistently, but there are a lot of, you know, sixes to eights to nines and no double digit returns. So I think that's something kind of interesting to point out too, um, because you could probably find a player that returns, you know, in that same kind of range, but is maybe 4 million less, 2 million less, 6 million less. So I think there are some other options and you could spread those funds to upgrade your defenders who seem to be getting all the points and they're all the rage these days scoring all the goals. So um, you know, we're sleeping on him as a talent, but he's definitely, especially later in the year when we might have some injuries, um, you know, if Salah ever gets injured, I would, ha- I would swap him straight to Mane in a heartbeat because I think he
0: has the, the creativity and the threat to eat up all those points. Yeah. One, just quick thing. If I was a KDB owner right now, I would be tempted to maybe go to Mane. Um, as his replacement. I think that Salah is eventually gonna be rested and that's gonna make Mane the kind of main man up top. So uh, yeah, I just think Mane right now is a very interesting differential play. He is expensive for sure. And you know, if everyone's gonna be captaining Salah, then maybe having Mane, his lines mate, who are, they're clearly one and two in the goal scoring pecking order for the top scoring side. So that might be a really interesting and creative way to gain overall rank uh, in the next couple of game weeks.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really kind of awkward for FPL managers, especially those who are tuned in, you know, who are being rather competitive and have, you know, every competitive manager has Salah and has Trent, right? So there you watch, you watch Liverpool play and you're not actually, you know, making that much ground up from owning those two players. So that's why a lot of people have maybe referenced, maybe grabbing somebody like Jota at 7.5 or maybe Robertson at 7.0 as another kind of piece of the puzzle to the attack and build up for Liverpool, because they clearly look revived this season after a down season last year.
0: Absolutely. All right. Last question is from Bagdeep and also from Spurs fan Andrew Stein. So we should shout both them out. And that's really about what the hiring of Antonio Conte means for Spurs and for Spurs assets in the FPL game. We kind of touched on this, but uh, Brian, just why don't we expand on who our top three targets are and why for Spurs going into the next couple matches.
1: Yeah, for me, it's Sonny boy. Number one on set pieces looks very lively and you know, corners, big and corners, Signed a big long-term contract, uh, honestly, versus Manchester United. He had a few chances that I think on a different day, he maybe nets one of those. He had a kind of a, a through ball that he kind of took a bad touch on and then got blocked by um, by one Basaka, And that could have easily been a goal on a different day. He's usually pretty clinical. I just like his rapport with the rest of his teammates and his energy on a daily basis, whereas Kane seems to be sulking a bit. But, you know, given the new manager, maybe this revitalizes his focus. And he's on PKs, and that's why you pay potentially the premium um, of that $2 million I guess it's 1.9 million at this time of recording the podcast. Yeah, we could say two. To maybe grab him. <laughs> we yeah. could say two. So, you know, for me, I'm I'm gonna go with Sun because he's one of my favorite players. But I, I do think getting in early uh, this game week or next game week potentially uh, during international break and getting at least one Tottenham player is uh, you know a very very smooth move. Yeah. What do you think so- in here, Bucks? Do you do you rate Sun over Kane?
0: I do. I just think the price difference is the reason uh, I actually think that Kane is an easier player to fit in, even though he is more expensive because a lot of FPL managers have set up with that premium forward spot kind of wasting away right now with Jamie Vardy and his one point totals. So yeah. I would go son one. He would be my first choice. He's 10.2 million. I think the three five two is just like a dream setup for young and Sung. Two would be Kane, proven goal scorer. He's a creative, and I think you know they'll probably be a little more attacking. And this new manager might revitalize, like you said, his effort levels. Uh, and then third would be Reggion. He's a defender, but in this system, he's going to be playing wing back, so he's going to be much more attacking. And I just think that the three-five-two is going to provide a little more defensive cover for Spurs. And also, you know, Reggian is going to be now more creative and probably putting in more crosses going into the likes of Kane, Son, and even I would say honorable mention would be Deli Ali at four, and then even Euris at five. So those are all players that I would be thinking about for Spurs. Um, I know I've seen some people talking about uh, Emerson Royal, who's going to be the other wing back in all likelihood, but uh, yeah, I just it's an interesting team right now. I'm a wait and see. I think they have the international break to kind of work on the system. Unfortunately, Kane is obviously going to go away to play with England during that time frame. So uh, it's just, it's a weird time to take over for Spurs. I want to make sure that they are actually going to play harder under this new manager before I'm devoting spots in my side for their players.
1: Yeah, I would, I would dip your toe in the water and get one of them, but I would not be doubling up anytime soon. We need to see it on the pitch and see if Conte comes in with his authoritative, uh, you know, style. And I know Bucks, before we were chatting offline, like, you know, there's so many players in this Tottenham side that worry me. And is Conte going to be able to turn this around with the players he has this year? You know, in years to come, and they make some changes and um, spend some money elsewhere. I think, you know, those years look more optimistic, but this year I'm just like, uh-huh. you know, is it does he deserve all this credit
0: to turn this team around um, versus the players that they have? With that, I think we could take a break. Those were some great questions. Thank you to everyone who got involved. There were some that we had to leave on the cutting room floor, but uh, next game week, there's always another opportunity to have your questions addressed by Brian and I. So thanks again.
1: All right, everyone. We're going to talk about our captaincy options and our transfer thoughts heading into game week eleven. This is the last game week before an international break, which we do not like to see as FPL addicts. But after that, we're going to come into the festive fixtures, and it's going to be football twice a week. Sometimes coming up here, and you know, it's going to be really distracting to get any work done in my professional life. But personally. I'm going to be thinking about the footy all the time. So Bucks, what are we thinking here uh, for captains going into game week 11?
0: Yeah, no days off for our content creators. I am going to be solidly captaining Mo Salah. I think I'm hoping that he's going to get the start. And my vice captain is once again, going to be on Ben Chilwell. I think he will also earn the start. And so I'm kind of hoping You know, the issue with vice captaining Ben Chilwell, I just wanted to go off on this, is that if he's benched, I have no cover if Salah is rested. So it's a little risky. I am definitely considering going maybe a little safer as my vice captain. But uh, I just, if Salah is rested, then so many other FPL managers are going to be in the same boat as me. So I'm Mo Salah captaincy from here on out until the the chickens come to roost. How about you, Brian?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, given his effective ownership is going to be so high. So his total ownership in the game and then the people who captain him is going to be so high. You just have to continue to stick it out with Mo Salah. And I also think this is a big game for Liverpool coming off a 2-2 draw versus Brighton. There's no way that Klopp is going to rest him versus West Ham, who is currently in the top four. So you can captain Salah this week. Um, Last year, he did score two goals against West Ham in one of the games. So it does have that Embrace potential obviously plus the form makes a ton of sense and for me I'm also on the vice of Ben Chilwell as well so we're uh, we're Stop all hacking all, my uh, team <laughs> yeah we're all on the same page there bucks but transfer wise we're you know worlds apart worlds and worlds apart so i have again as i said 5.8 million in the bank and i am going to be moving mr brownhill at 4.4 million all the way up to Sun. And the only thing that that does this week is really provides me with a big benching headache. So that's what I want to get your feedback here before we close out the pod bucks is, you know, I'm looking at trying to figure out who to play out of Mbomo, Antonio, and Cancelo and Rafinha, frankly, in my side this week. so. Um, this is a really tough one for me. I have Hwang as my second bench slot versus Crystal Palace and then Duffy versus Newcastle as my third bench. So very deep at the moment. And this move bringing in Sun for Brownhill will allow me to roll some transfers coming up and kind of get back to the mantra of having two transfers as often as possible. But who would you, who would you what, what players would you start out of those? Again, Cancelo versus Manchester United away in a derby. Um, then Rafinha, Antonio, and Mbomo.
0: I'd probably bench Cancelo because I'm very high on Mbomo, but I could see it's 50 50 between those two guys. I mean, for me, I, I have a much easier uh, game week plan than you do, but those would be my two picks. For me, I, I have an injured number one goalkeeper. Raya is out. It's looking like for most of the season with a knee injury. Oh, so man. I'm- um, that, that's weeks. just
1: such a, a literally a, a tough break bucks on wild card. You're like, I'm tripling up on, on Brentford and to have him go down with an ACL. There's just, un- just unlucky really. And yeah, uh, you, know, you got to swap, swap him.
0: So I, I have to use a goalkeeper transfer. I'm hoping this is not going to be a nightmare scenario. Like I had at the end of last season. So I'm split really between Ramsdale and Sanchez. I think Sanchez has better fixtures coming up. Ramsdale, obviously we've seen what he could do. He has a much higher upside. He gets more saves and more saves likely equals more bonus points right now. I think I am leaning towards Ramsdale. I didn't want to jump on the price rise uh, that he had earlier this game week. I have, a little bit of money in the bank. And I just really want to make sure I'm making the right decision. So I'm just going to wait till Thursday to make my move. But right now it's looking like Raya to Ramsdale is my move. And then after the international break, I'm likely going to move off Vardy and probably off Havertz to make that move possible and take a hit at that point. And that, at that point, then I'll start thinking about how I save transfers. But uh, (laughs) as Brian mentioned, we're in different spots. I have a couple of, uh, Burning fires in my team that need to be uh, transferred out, so that we could say all clear on the uh, Thomas Tuchel trophy case side. But uh,
1: yeah, it's so just, Bucks, so Bucks, what you're what you're telling me is Edward survives another round of cuts.
0: <laughs> at, at least, at least uh, he's going to be in my team uh, probably through Thanksgiving holiday over here stateside, which is unfortunate. And uh, yeah. you know, just looking forward to game week eleven. We should shout out. There are really four matches that everyone should know about there are two major marquee matchups. That's the Manchester Derby Manchester United are playing host to man city. That's going to be a crazy fun fixture to wake up to on Saturday morning. That's the first match. Definitely. If you're in the States, it's also the uh, early afternoon fixture. If you're over in the UK and the other one is Liverpool going to West Ham. So those should be two cagey affairs. I expect goals from, potentially all four of those sides in those matches. And then really the matches we want to be targeting as FPL managers is Norwich going away to Brentford and Chelsea hosting Burnley. So I think I have the Chelsea triple up. I'm not silly enough to uh, go away from that against a Burnley side that has gotten a couple of returns in the last few matches. And as we say over and over again on this podcast, do not transfer out players going up against Norwich Don't be me. And so if you have Brentford players, they have to be (laughs) starting. And I think that Cancelo, as Brian mentioned, who's on potentially the fence for you, he's played almost every minute of the premier league thus far. So I think this might be a match. He's not going to be rested against man United, but this is going to be a tougher match. I think for him to go big in. Mm -hmm. So that's why he would be probably my first choice and Bomo against Norwich. I expect he's going to get at least one goal. I look forward to, uh, Saying how smart I was on next week's podcast for producing for <laughs> predicting it in the in real time here. Yeah,
1: let's just hope your predictions this upcoming game week were better than last, and then we'll all be wow the, shots uh, fired. Train. <laughs> wow, you're treating me right, like, everyone. You know
0: DeSantis.
1: Yeah, get out of town. Get out of town, <laughs> Bucks. All right, that wraps up this week's pod. Thank you so much for tuning into the FPL Blues podcast and for sending us your questions. We hope you engage with us on social and on Twitter and uh, keep those questions coming. Good luck to everyone in this upcoming game week. Remember there is Friday night football on uh, Friday. So there's an early deadline. Don't miss that. And we look forward to chatting with you all next week. Thanks. Bucks. Green
0: arrows, green arrows, great pod. Everyone. Thank you again at FPL blues podcast. Speak soon. <laughs>